This is Gum and See by Father Ron Baird for January 16th, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. The message is by Mother Nancy Stanton. That Gospel passage that I just read is what you call a loaded Gospel passage. You could preach on it for about four years and you'd never hit everything that's in it to preach on. Most of our, our gospel passages that we have on a Sunday have one major theme, um, but this isn't true today because it's full of proclamation, it's full of imagery, it's full of narrative. And let's just look at some of the major themes in these dozen verses of scripture can't talk today. John the Baptist sees Jesus coming toward him and proclaims, here is the Lamb of God. It's a huge proclamation. Now, remember how long these people have been waiting for the Messiah to come. Remember how long they have dreamed and wanted to have the Messiah come and rescue them from all of the trouble that they're in. John the Baptist reminds us that he baptized his cousin Jesus and the spirit descended on him like a dove. That would kind of make you look twice, wouldn't it? As we're seeing a dove come down and heaven open up and a little, little startling. John the Baptist testifies that Jesus is the very Son of God. That's quite a testimony. This is the Son of God. John's two disciples called Jesus rabbi or teacher. And Jesus invites them deeper into the mystery with a simple phrase. And we use it for our church as our motto. Come and see. Come and see. So when we say that as our motto, we're inviting people into the mystery of Jesus. We're inviting him to come in so that they can learn about this Lord that we love. Then finally, we have an abbreviated recounting of the story of Andrew and Peter deciding to follow Jesus. And they say, we've found the Messiah. Again, what an explosive phrase. They've been looking for the Messiah for years and years and years and hundreds of years. There is so much material for theological musing that it almost seems as though this should be the subject of many sermons for many weeks, not just one. And the theological assertions in today's gospel reading are profound. Here is the Lamb of God. This is the Son of God. We have found the Messiah. And it makes us want to ask Jesus how many questions? If you could have a half an hour with Jesus, how many questions could you think to ask him? I don't think I could talk that fast to get them all out and then giving that much time to answer 
it makes us wonder why the disciples are saying, where are you staying? And I don't necessarily think that that's exactly the, the way that we should be um, translating that. It's more, what exactly are you up to? What are you doing? Who are you? What's your purpose? What do you want of us? And he's asking a whole lot more here than where are you staying? And to these such questions, Jesus issues that same gentle invitation. Come and see. Come and see. What exactly is this Lamb of God? Come and see. Who is the true Messiah? Come and see. Why should we follow you, Jesus? Come and see. It's as if Jesus is saying, why not give discipleship a try? And isn't that what we're saying to people when we invite them to come to St. Andrews? And we say, come and see. Aren't we inviting them to give discipleship a try? This is a difficult thing for the 21st century. First off, we know that to choose and to follow Jesus is a major life decision. Is there anyone here that didn't feel that that was a major life decision when they decided to follow Jesus? I'd been going to church all of my life from the time I was a little girl. My next-door neighbor took me. I didn't decide to really follow Jesus, although I was thought I was following him. But I didn't decide to really follow him until he really knocked me around and knocked me in the head, knocked me over, and knocked me flat on a floor in a dark church. I'd given him permission to do that. How stupid could I be? You know, I said, hit me in the head, Lord. If I'm not understanding what you want me to do, and if you really want me to do what I think you're telling me to do and I don't want to do, hit me in the head. By golly, he did. There was no question of it. And scary? Yes, it was. It was a major decision. Our family had to pick up, sell a house, move, come to Columbus. I had to go to seminary. My husband had to get another job. Major, major decision in this lifetime, in this time that we live in. We also know that discipleship requires work. I worked hard in seminary. I also worked a job. I also was raising children. It required work, hard work. Requires dedication. My one daughter was turning 16, and I was taking finals the next day. Her birthday was the next day, and we had people coming for a swim party for her birthday. And 
I had to hide out while I was cooking food for all the people that were coming, but I also had to hide out and study in the meantime. So I'm cooking for a big batch of kids, teenage kids that are always hungry, to come over, and I'm trying to study for my finals at the same time. It required dedication. It required sacrifice. It still requires sacrifice. For each and every single one of you, it requires sacrifice. Ever have an idea of, gee, I'd like to go and do X. And you know that X is something that really isn't good for you to do. And you have to look at that and say, okay, I have to sacrifice the fact that I can't do that because Jesus wouldn't want me to do that. Anyone ever, ever have that happen to them? Are you all saints? I'm glad there's one that's not a saint over here. <laughs> have a number of single women, older single women in the church. Many of them have said, I'd really like to meet someone. But where do you go to meet someone? I don't want to go to a bar. Because you don't know what you're going to find. It's a sacrifice. So their sacrifice is to, to continue to remain single until... Hopefully God will find somebody and plunk them down in front of them and say, he's the one, or she's the one. It's a sacrifice. Lots of sacrifices. Major life decision. It's an arduous, prolonged process. Why is it an arduous and prolonged process? Because we have to continue to study. The more we study, the more we read scripture, the more we do, the more we get to know Jesus. And the more we get to know Jesus, the more we understand how he wants us to live and what he wants us to do and, and how he wants us to be so that we can come and spend eternity with him. I really fought the idea of purgatory. Um, I tried to become a Roman Catholic once, and I know I've told several of you that story, but I failed at it. And in the process, I tried to become, I really tried to fight against purgatory that it doesn't work. However, the older I get, the more I believe maybe there is such a thing. Maybe it's not called purgatory. I don't care what it's called. But as we read in the Bible, it tells us that there are different layers of heaven. So maybe that's where our purgatory comes in. And I don't think all of us are ready to be immediately in the presence of God. Because to be immediately in the presence of God means that we have to be pretty perfect. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not anywhere near pretty perfect. Try, I work, but I fail. And I think that maybe there is some place like purgatory that we can go and spend some time learning more and learning ways. I don't know. 
Think about it. It's a thought. It's an arduous and prolonged process. We need time to do research. We need time to consult experts, to ask the opinion of friends. We need time to consult consumer reports when we're buying a car or even a toaster, don't we? In medicine, we're very careful to secure our informed consent before the most minor procedure. Um, The modern pharmaceuticals come with warnings about their side effects. I don't know if any of you get as tired as I do about seeing them advertised on TV with the 9,000 side effects that they can have. So we're carefully, we sort out the options and we search for the information whether we search online or in books, and we begin to compile a list of pros and cons. What are the benefits? What are the costs? What have... We have all done this at one time or another for many, many different things, and we do it for our faith also. We have to make a primary, major decision to enter into a primary relationship. Because if we're going to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's going to take over our lives. If we're really going to enter into that relationship, it's going to take over all of our lives. do studying just to buy a house or to take a new job or to move across town or to move across the globe, but to take on a relationship with Jesus Christ is a major, major decision. And to make that major decision, we have to take on a worthy endeavor um, so that we don't make big mistakes. We don't want to make bad situations worse. We don't want to face a mountain of unintended consequences of a poor choice. Now, what do I mean by a poor choice? Well, what about what church you're going to go to? If I sent you to six different churches, I could have you learn six different things. Which one is right? Which one is telling the true story? Is it the Anglican church? Is it the Mormon church? Is it the Methodist church? Where do I go to learn the true story? We have to make that decision. That's a tough decision sometimes to make. How does God want us to worship? How does he want us to act and to live? Sometimes our society has a tendency 
to encourage us to be so thorough in doing our homework that it may be one of the reasons that Christianity appears to be declining. Because not only are we doing our homework about Christianity, but some people are doing it about the the, uh, Muslims. Some people are doing it. I have a brother who's into a Far Eastern religion that doesn't even have a name. I thought that was really a good one. What's it called? It doesn't have a name. How do you know where to go to a service? Someone comes up and talks to you about it. Okay. I guess I'm not supposed to be there because I never had anyone come up and talk to me about it. And I did try to read one of the books one time, and that was so confusing that I thought, no, this is not, God does not want me to be that confused. It may go something like this. If we choose to become a disciple of Jesus, then we will be expected to work harder than we've ever imagined, to give more than we ever thought possible, and to surrender our stubborn need for control to serve the divine will. I got to give up control? Not sure I want to do that. Boy, in this day and age, people do not want to give up control. They've been taught to be in control, know what they're doing, to be going in the right way. Don't give up control. And now Christianity is saying, give up control. What do we get in return if we do this? This, of course, is where the invitation, come and see. Come and see. It's a mystery. Because on the face of it, we get nothing. At least nothing that the world would consider a gift. Just more work, more need requiring us to give, and more and more opportunities to surrender. And that's because the gift of God's grace is free. And it's offered to everyone without condition. And there's nothing that anyone can do to earn it, deserve it, or to be excluded from it. And in our transitional world, this just does not seem like the kind of situation to which we want to aspire. Now, in our world, things go more like, first I give this, and then I get this in in exchange. And that's how things are supposed to work, isn't it? That's the way we expect them to work. If I go into a store and I'm going to buy a coat, I give them the money that the coat costs and they give me the coat, right? If I buy a house, I go to the bank and I make the arrangements to give them the money for the down payment and then the arrangements to pay every month and I'm allowed to live in the house. And Christianity doesn't work that way. It works just the opposite of everything that we know in our day and time. The gifts of God's mercy, love, and grace are just not like that. They're ours, they're free, they're given without condition. 
So if we choose to become disciples of Jesus and to give our time and our talent and our treasure, what do we get for our trouble? Come and see. The values that Jesus puts forth in his gospel don't really make sense in the system in which the world assesses worth. You really have to immerse yourself in the mystery before you can even begin to understand. The world cherishes wealth. The world esteems power. The world treasures control. But the gospel calls us to love the poor to serve the needy without condition. The gospel compels us to surrender, surrender our lust for power, to give up our need for control. And what are the potential consequences of that? We ask. And again, the question is answered. The savior of the world, you see, is also the one our scriptures call the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, despised and rejected by men. And that surely doesn't sound like someone destined for success or greatness, does it? The president of our company is someone who is acquainted with grief, despised and rejected by men, and nobody wants to have anything to do with him, so that's why he's great. I don't think so. The spiritual life that we live today is full of paradox. There seems to be contradictions that actually express a deeper spiritual reality. Paradox such as gaining our life by losing our life. That makes a lot of sense. Enjoying true abundance by giving away our possessions and becoming followers of the all-powerful one who emptied himself of power. Do you realize that when Jesus Christ came into this world, he came in as a baby that couldn't even turn over, couldn't feed himself, couldn't say anything, couldn't do a thing. He was helpless. He gave up everything, absolutely, positively everything to save the souls of people like us. It's mind-boggling. Absolutely mind-boggling. And again, the only answer is we really need to come and see. It's the only way that we can understand or even begin to understand. Without regular experience of the liturgy, our Sunday worship is just an empty ritual. And we have to come and see again and again without an ongoing discipline of prayer, our utterances are nothing more than endless demands of God. Come and see. You had a bad week? Try again. Come and see. Without personal sacrifice, our lives can become meaningless, focused more on the 
material goods that we keep getting and piling up and then don't know what to do with when we get too many of them. We accumulate more material goods than sharing love that comes from God. So come and see. Come and see the Lamb of God on whom the Spirit descended like a dove. Come and see the Son of God. Come and see Jesus the rabbi who teaches us the way of salvation. Come and see Andrew and Simon Peter who dropped their nets and left behind everything to follow Jesus. They didn't just leave those nets. They left their families. Didn't mean they deserted their families because we read many times where they're back in Peter's home with Peter's wife and his mother-in-law and so forth. But they left their jobs. They left their families and they followed Jesus. They left behind everything that today we would feel is the most important, the materialistic paycheck, the things that we expect to get. The invitation was offered to those disciples so many years ago. And you know what? It's offered to us today, right now. Every time we come to communion, we come to the altar And every time we come to the altar and we receive Christ's body and blood, we are there to give of ourselves back to him. Come and see. Come and see and be enriched in Christ. Be enriched in speech and in knowledge of every kind. Come and see and learn that God is faithful. And that you are called into the fellowship of God and into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come and see so that each and every one of us can declare with confidence, we have found the Messiah. Come and see. You have been listening to Come and See by Father Ron Baird. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to Come and See.